Good morning and welcome to Black Book Talk. I'm Patricia Welch, the library lady. And I'm Emma Jackson Ford, bookwoman. And we are fortunate to have as our guest today, Jewel Parker Rhodes. And we have a book that is perfect for Halloween. It's called Yellow Moon, and it's a novel of Louisiana. It's a novel of Marie Laveau. It's a novel about Voodoo Vaudon. Yes. You'll have to explain all this to us. But welcome to Black Book Talk. We're delighted that you're here. Oh, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Well... I should say ahead of time, happy Halloween to all of you, (laughs) people who will be celebrating. And this is a fun time of the year for children as well as adults. But the book we're talking about today is a pretty adult title. (laughs) Yes, it is an adult book. Uh, But, you know, I am writing a children's book, too. You are? Yes, I'm writing a book called Ninth Ward. It'll be published by Little Brown, and it's about an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old surviving Hurricane Katrina. So it's a real adventure, spiritual story showing the heroism. So I'm back in Louisiana all the time, it seems, writing my stories. Now, (laughs) the bio of you says that you you now live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Boston, Massachusetts. But there's this very strong tie, and it's come through several of your novels, with New Orleans. Yes. What is this? You know, it really doesn't make much sense. I think I was called to write about Marie Laveau. And I remember being in college, and I I had not known that women of color wrote books. And I saw a book in a library, yeah, uh, Gail Jones's Corregidora. And ah. I started, I started, you know, writing, and I switched my major from theater to English. And my writing teacher said, write what you know. And I thought what I knew wasn't very much. So I went home and got a Time Life cookbook that was about Creole and Acadian cooking. And it had <laughs> Bayou Teche in there, a lullaby, Fado Do, Creole lullaby. And it mentioned Marie Laveau. And out of me bursts a story about Marie Laveau helping this woman escape an abusive relationship. I've never been in an abusive relationship. I didn't know anything about this. But here the story came. And then no matter where I went, I would hear songs. <laughs> Songs, Marie Laveau, or I'd be reading in essence that Eartha Kitt wanted to play Marie Laveau, and I interviewed her, and I became obsessed and worked on that first novel, Voodoo Dreams, for really over 10 years. So me and Marie Laveau, we were called to be together. Well, now, for those of our listeners who are not familiar, tell us about Marie Laveau, who is the great-grandmother of this novel's protagonist, right? Yes. Marie Laveau was a 19th-century voodoo queen. And in some sense, she's a great symbol of feminist, womanist power because she was the most powerful woman in New Orleans at a time when most women were slaves, mistresses, or prostitutes, you know. And... And in a sense, she got caught up in that moment where um, she was really connecting with our African-based spirituality, healing yellow fever victims, taking care of women, nurturing her community, but at the same time practicing her faith, as in using drums to call the spirits to you, using herbs and holistic healing. The people of New Orleans, particularly the white slave masters and the white powers that be, were, were afraid of her. They were afraid of the black faith. And in fact, they typed it as being primitive, barbaric, and sexual. So here's the key. 
If you knew people were afraid of you, you might make your ceremonies a little bit more theatrical to make them a little bit more afraid of you, to give you space to be. So voodoo really became a political act of transgression, of let me be, and if it means that I scare you. And in that sense, we get some of the stereotypes about voodoo, and we get some of the stereotypes that exist in popular culture, but that is not what she was really all about. That was her way of being free, but at the same time, she was taking care of her community, believing in spirits, and I also felt, you know, well, why couldn't a black woman be touched by miracles? Why couldn't she walk on water? And in fact, if you read the Times-Picayune, right, there's actually articles about Marie Laveau walking on Lake Pontchartrain, you know? There are stories about her healing yellow fever victims, and she never ever became sick. So she for me, was a model of saying, well, if she could be free to be herself and say, I am in the 19th century, what excuse have I got? Because things are so much better. I'm not a slave. I'm not. (laughs) So she really is a wondrous, wondrous heroine of African-American folk culture. You know, I, I wish we were a television program. Yeah. Just, just a moment for people to see the passion and the enthusiasm and the hair flying. Oh, yeah. Okay, there's a connection here. For I sure. know. <laughs> but I'm, I do get all excited. But it also made me think, too, of, of my grandmother, who, besides being the wife of an AME Methodist minister, I think was a contra woman. She taught me about dreams and signs and spirits and this whole idea that the in life, there's a lot that's unseen that we don't know about. That there's a spiritual essence and presence to the world. That's voodoo, and that's also African American folklore. And that's also very African. And I mean, you can go to various places around the world. I mean, I have this image of, of Brazil, where I've never been, where I that what I've seen in many films, where like the, the images of the Catholic Church are blended. With, with Orishas and things that are clearly African deities. And African people have been doing that wherever we've landed around the world. Exactly. And there's a wonderful book called Working with the Spirit by a Georgetown uh, professor that talks about that. So the Rastafarian movement, the Baptist, Southern Baptist movement, uh, the Fudon, Santeria, they are all share commonalities of the African-based spirituality. And the connection about Catholicism is really uh, quite apt because Louisiana had the Code Noir, which insisted that all blacks be baptized Catholic. And what the Africans then did is said, oh, well, Legba, you know, he's the guy who opens a spirit gate. That's like St. Peter. Or Mistress Azili, that's like the Virgin Mary. So even when they were practicing the faith of Catholicism, there was always the subtext of the African-based traditions and spirituality. And when people say they got their mojo working. Yes, yes, and and absolutely. And and also, you know, the the whole notion in the African-American tradition that... um, you know, the difference between life and death, it's, it's, a, it's a thin dividing line. And that spirits aren't gone, you know, and that ancestors are visible. And so my grandmother has been dead for 30 days, for th- I'm sorry, 30 years. I wish she was still here, but I know she is still here for me spiritually because I talk to her every day. That came from African-based traditions, you know. Every goodbye ain't, ain't gone. gone. Every shut eye. <laughs> <laughs> And that worked real well with the Catholics of the Black Catholics of New Orleans, uh, an interceding saint. Yes. So you're talking to your grandmother to intercede mm-hmm. 
of God for what you need. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, we could talk about this forever, but we we probably need to circle back <laughs> to Yellow Moon. So tell us what tell us the connection again between right. Marie Laveau and our character in Yellow Moon. Well, Voodoo Dreams which was my first novel, and it's been selling for 16 years. That's the historical novel about Marie Laveau. So go on and get it, y'all. It's a good book. <laughs> they have always been after me to write a sequel to that book. And so I said, okay, but I don't think I can do 19th century. I'll do my first contemporary, and I'll write about a descendant, Dr. Marie Levant, who comes from Chicago and has gone down to New Orleans to practice her residency as an ER doc, and she discovers she's a descendant and has the calling. Well, in that trilogy, there's Voodoo Season, which is book number one, and the day that book was published was the day the levees broke in New Orleans. Okay, and so things became changed and different. So in Yellow Moon, we have Marie fighting an ancient evil that really speaks to the race, class, gender issues. And I'm building up to the third book, Hurricane Levy Blues, to talk about the environmental racism that decisions made in the past history accounted for why the aftermath of Katrina affected blacks and rural poor disproportionately. It's all connected. But Marie Laveau, you got to have spiritual healing. So now I'm combining medical healing and spiritual healing and occasionally sexual healing, too. <laughs> and a woman coming into her own. Uh, yes, girl. Yes, just just more and more knowing who she is spiritually and otherwise. I'm sorry, Emma, I, I think I cut you off. Were you about to say? No, no, I'm listening. <laughs> okay. Well, now, do you have a passage um, that you'd like to share with us? We hope you'll share several passages. Well, I do have one passage, and Marie uh, is having a ceremony trying to discover this who's murdering people in New Orleans. And it turns out it's actually a Wazimamoto, a vampire spirit that we can talk about. But at this voodoo ceremony, things haven't been going well. And Marie thinks sometimes she was skeptical, too. Like tonight, after hours of drumming, no signs, no grace, just heat rising from the small bonfire. But when miracles happen, Marie felt like the most powerful woman in the world, felt more healer than medicine had ever made her feel. She felt her followers growing wearier, disenchanted. Most of them were elderly, mainly women. Some gap-toothed, some rail-thin, some grain, others with hair as white as cotton. Frail elders who went to Mass on Sunday confessed venial sins and said their evening rosary. But they all remembered their youth, their passion, the dancing, chanting call to gods, the thrill of spirits entering their bodies. They all remembered seeing or hearing tales of spirit lows entering their mother, their mother's mother, their mother's mother before, all the way down through the generations to a distant time when a woman could walk on water, when a woman was the most powerful figure in New Orleans, when a woman could inspire fear, conjure miracles by whispering the words, Je suis Marie. I am Marie Laveau. Oh, okay. My spine got straighter after that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Was there another passage that you wanted to share with us? Um, 
Yes, thank you very much. This is so much fun. Um, <laughs> and you two are so wonderful. I'm so glad to be here. But the Wazimamoto was an ancient evil, and actually it's a vampire spirit that's born out of cultural oppression of Africans. So whenever there were um, colonizers, the British, the Portuguese, the Dutch, the French, Africans would say, the Wazimamoto is here. And they would have images of men who literally extinguished fire the fire of life, men who drain blood, but drain cultural blood. So it's not the Bram Stoker myth of, you know, I want to suck your blood, as in, you know, just kill you, but it's really about wiping out a race and ethnic cultural identity. So this Wazimamoto, though, has come out of the water, uh, and he's a dark spirit uh, that's shaping into becoming a man, and his, his, here is his encounter with Dr. Marie Levant. It was allowing her to watch it. It had more weight, more presence than when she'd seen it in the hospital. And while she felt cold, she also sensed its heat, its life's energy filling the darkness, a kinetic energy. Move, she told herself, move. It stepped closer, awkward, foot heavy. Shout, scream for Parks, but it was impossible. Her body felt weighted. Fascination overcame fear. And hadn't she been warned to show no fear? Hands. There were no hands. Stroked her breast through her shirt. Her shirt bunched, moved. Her body responded, nipples hardening, her breath caught in her throat. The touch was gentle, like someone pulling silk across her breast. Her body betrayed her. The cold felt right, felt good to her heat. She heard a whisper, but there wasn't any sound, just vibrations assaulting her mind. She understood the sense of it, the words that were not words. Mine, you are mine. Marie stretched out her hands. She could feel shape, density, see in the dark a shadowy face. It was stroking her, sweetly exploring waist, abdomen, thighs, touching her crotch, making her feel naked, exposed. Part of her was drowning in sensation. Another part of her could see the image wasn't complete. Features were indistinct. Connections between eye bones, the nose bridge, and cheekbones were hazy. Suddenly she was sick, nauseous. The creature arousing her felt more of a violation than when it drained blood. Kill me. I dare you. She slapped, bailed, feeling resistance before her hand broke free, swiping night air. Get the hell away. Her body was slammed against the wall. Her throat was being squeezed, pressure against her esophagus. She clawed at the outline of hands surrounding her throat, but the energy felt like a vice, as strong as steel. Oxygen deprivation. She'd become lightheaded, as cells starved, eventually losing consciousness her lungs and heart shutting down. She tried to speak but couldn't. Inside her head she chanted, I am Marie, 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 Marie. Cole touched her ear, mine, my Marie. Halt, said Parks, on the ground, hands on your head, halt. Her feet lifted off the ground. She was being held by the throat, face to face, with what wasn't a face, only indentations of darkness, suggesting eye sockets, forehead and mouth. She was losing consciousness, the word how fixed in her mind. She ceased struggling, her body limp, cold brushed, 
pressed against her lips. She swore she was being kissed. Doc! Park screamed, firing a warning shot. Then another. It turned. Parks fired four rounds into its head. The creature vanished, disintegrating like smoke, breaking into particles. Marie stumbled, falling forward. Potts, Parks caught her, clutching her to his chest. Her cheekbones rested on his chest. Her ear listened to his heart. Parks was holding on to her for dear life. She holding him. He was protecting her, she told herself. A frightened girl held close, safe against a man's chest. She cursed. She was a woman grown. More deeply, she felt ashamed. She let herself be seduced, mentally allowed herself to be seduced. Damn it to hell. She pushed Parks away. Enough. What are you talking about? Shoulders heaving, she crossed her arms over her chest. She wiped her mouth. Her hand was slick. A substance, gelatinous, covered her mouth and throat. She tasted brine. Evidence, she whispered. Unlike ghosts, the Wazimamoto had been concrete. Park staggered backward, then turned, running. Roach, Roach, we've got evidence here. As a doctor, Marie was intrigued. She had something to study, to test. She could form a hypothesis about the Wazimamoto's nature, being. She might find a rational explanation. The woman Marie felt sullied, marked. She wanted to scrub her skin raw. Marie, the voodooienne, knew there was a hidden blood narrative, a story written in red, bloodlines, deep inside herself. She responded to the creature's words, mine, my Marie. Her blood had stirred, answering, yes. Her blood had its own tale, secrets. How long did it take you to write this <laughs> uh, It took me about 18 months, um, and the research had been done uh, years earlier. So in some sense, it would have taken longer if I was doing research. But I've written about Marie Laveau before. I've written about uh, voodoo and African-based spirituality. And I had known about the African folklore of the Wazimamoto. For those who have just joined us, we want to say this is Black Book Talk, and we are talking to, <clears throat> excuse me, Jewel Parker Rhodes, the author of Yellow Moon. Oh, could you give us a little, little more setup of this particular story, of, of actually what has happened? I mean, I, it's very significant that she has brine on her lips, but it occurs to me to our listeners it probably doesn't mean anything and could have been confusing. And who is Parks? So yes. Just a little context. Yes. Um, Marie Levant, you know, she's a doctor at Charity Hospital. And when there are the murders and people are being drained of blood, the police department come to her because they knew that she was good for weird deaths. <laughs> and Parks is a detective with the New Orleans Police Force. And so he's always being very physical, shooting and having my gun. And she's always saying, no, you need me. There's a spiritual element. Um, and Roach is the New Orleans uh, coordinator, uh, coroner. Rather. And the brine is significant because... The creature comes from the sea. It's reborn. And at first, Marie thinks it's Agwe, the sea god, who's rising from the water, that Agwe is somehow displeased. But she finds out instead that it's the Wazimamoto. So when she gets the brine, she knows that the ghost of the Wazimamoto is becoming physical. So there's a physical 
perhaps medical, chemical, biological answer to destroying it. And there's also a spiritual dimension. And because it's New Orleans, she actually does have to call on the jazz men. Because some people like Leroy Jones, Mira Baraka, say that jazz is actually voodoo made secular. Because the drummers used to be at the Congo Square, and then they created this music, a new authentic African-American form. And so for this story, Marie has to call on the spiritual essence and the playing of the jasmine to help her battle the vampire. Right. That whole, you know, that, that, that whole line, that melody of jazz is all the way through that. Yeah, I did want you to talk more about that. Yes. And the Yellow Moon comes from the Aaron Neville Brothers. Yellow Moon. And on my website, www.jukeparkerroads.com, you'll find recipes for hurricanes, shrimp and ham jambalaya. And I say put on the Aaron Brothers, Neville Brothers, and have a book group, book book discussion. (laughs) Because the the thing about African-based spirituality and about the African-American community is, is we don't have this kind of individualism as in, you know, I can do it all by myself that we are connected in a community and we seek one another, our sisters, our brothers, our cousins for support. And that's very vital. So in a Western novel, you might have, a, you know, just a simply Western, you know, white tradition, you might just have a, a person killing the vampire and going, see, I'm the hero. But my wondrous woman, she needs her self-identity, her strength, and she needs her community in order to put things right. She needs her community just to get from day to day. She has a wonderful, extended family that she's kind of created since she came to New Orleans. Could you talk about them a little bit? Yes. Dr. Dulac is a Creole, and he's her mentor in the hospital. L who is the head nurse in Charity Hospital. She's a good friend. And and Elle, you know, she's, you know, uh, like 68 years old, but she looks so much younger. And if you ask Elle, how do you do it? She'd say, magnolias, you know. (laughs) She uses that for her skin. Um, And then Marie has also adopted um, a cousin. So she has an 18-month-old baby, Marie Claire. And to find out how she got that baby, you can read Voodoo Season. But that has to do with zombies, girl. (laughs) And people who are the the undead. But, yeah, she is loyal to her family. Uh, She'll do anything to protect her child. And she has a dog, Kind Dog. And Kind Dog um, is there with her, sensing and feeling magical things as well. You know, we have about, oh, I think we probably have three to five minutes more. But I want to make sure that not only are our questions answered, but if there's anything in particular that you want the audience to know about the book, about you, about whatever, that you have time to share that, too, because there's so much that can be asked about this book. Oh, my goodness, yes. Well, I all my books, and I have uh, eight uh, right now, all my books really are affirming that if we know ourselves, if we can say, I am Emma, I am Patricia, I am Jewel, and be confident in our identities, then that will actually stop all the isms, the racism, the sexism in the world. And so in some sense, I'm always writing about empowerment. I'm always writing about knowing one's history and where you come from. I'm also always celebrating that, you know, being a woman is just 
fine, you know, <laughs> and that we can make miracles all the time. Uh, but I am by nature an historical fiction uh, writer. So you, mm-hmm. I've written about the 1921 Tulsa race riot, Magic City, uh, which is a, a wondrous book. I've also written about Frederick Douglass and Douglass's women. Nice. And Frederick Douglass, you know, it's a t- story told from the point of view of the two women in his life. Yes. Because Frederick Douglass said, I am married to an old black log. And I got upset because he was talking about his wife, Anna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I told Anna's story. But it also turns out that though he married a white woman, and I don't know if all your readers know that, it's interesting that they didn't kill him in the 19th century. But he had a German Jewish Christian mistress of 30 years that he used to bring to his house his home in upstate New York every summer for 12 years while his wife Anna and his children were there. So that's a big historical book. And, you know, you can go Voodoo Dreams and Marie Laveau, big historical book. So even though Yellow Moon and Voodoo Season are mysteries, they have that sense of me as a historian, historical writer, and that I'm putting in a lot of rich history and texture about things that you might not have known. Yes. I'm still writing about, you know, strong, wondrous women and praise singing really the African American community. So you'll always find, I hope, a good story. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and great, story. great characters. And you'll have um something about our, our history, uh and something that make you make you think, I hope. That's what I found. I, I still have questions about the Wazimamoto, who is, excuse me, is not a one-dimensional vampire. I'm just, uh, yeah, I just said, I have to read. It's one of those books where you read it and you enjoy it. Excuse me. I think I'm losing my voice. But <clears throat> and then you go back and you say, <clears throat> well, I'm not going to be saying much, <clears throat> except that I'd like to read it again. I think, am I better turn this over to you? Because I've lost it. Well, I think all I have to say in closing is go out and find the book Yellow Moon. It's a novel by Jewel Parker Rhodes, and it is a good read, not just for this time of the year, but any time of the year. Oh, thank you so very much, ladies. And thank you for joining us, and we hope that you will come back when you are, come back and introduce your children's book to us I would empower our little ones I would love to and absolutely I've been waiting all my life to grow up to be smart enough and wise (laughs) enough to write a children's book and I'm hoping that this will be the kind of book that all of our children say oh yeah that's me I'm strong I can take care of business I'm I'm good (laughs) and of course they all are but you know sometimes with our heritage and even with the book market today we don't have enough images and portraits that reflect back that goodness of our children so that's what i'm trying to do a whole other program well this is patricia welch the library lady saying do 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 hope you enjoy (laughs) all right bye-bye